Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Cheers. Here's Siddle. He's got it! Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 95 of Two Slips in a Gully. I'm joined by both my co-hosts tonight, Captain Gary. How are you? I'm here. I'm finally here. Woo! <laughs> and Glenn, how are you today? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. It's, uh, you know, it's not a novelty to have me here, um, but yeah. <laughs> consistent. I like it. Although, although you, you, you know, you, you released the uh, the mini episode and, and I wasn't there. <laughs> well, you can come and join in the mini episodes yeah, if a, you want. We had a bit of a cameo from Maverick in that video. It was, it was good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, big, big episode. We finally filled up our trophy cabinet, one that we've been striving mm. for 16 years to get. We've got it. What a, a phenomenal couple of games from Australia in the knockout stages. Yeah. Uh, just amazing. Well, uh, look, you know what? I, I think that they still had room for improvement. I think they've got they, lots of room they, for improvement. They won the World Cup, and some of the things they did just kind of boggled my mind. But, we'll, um, yeah. We'll have a, a, a detailed chat about it after we get through everything. But uh, I think that we're probably still the fourth or best, fourth or fifth best side in that World Cup, and we got away with it. So, um, yeah, really stood up big in the knockout games. But that was fantastic to see. Yeah. Um, if you've been following our episodes recently, all through the '90s, we have been doing a bit of a tribute to Australia's most prolific '90 getters. That is Steve Waugh and uh, Michael Slater. Uh, Michael Slater famously managed to get nine '90s throughout his 76 Test match career. And uh, Steve Waugh, who in his 168 test career, got eight 90s and two 90s not out. So we've been sort of, as the episode corresponds with the score they've got, we've just been doing a bit of a shout-out to to the guys that are so close to adding to that phenomenal 100 total, but not quite. And this time, we've only got the one, and that is Slats uh, batting in Kingsmead in South Africa in 1994 in a game that... uh, uh, South Africa dominated into us being sort of a, into a draw. They put on 400, and well, we put on 200 in the first innings, and they put on four, nearly five, and then we just held on for a draw at the end. Slats scored a second innings 95 to make sure Australia didn't concede victory to the Saffirs in that game. So um, big effort. Uh, Mark Waugh was the only other person who really contributed with a bat in that second innings. He got 100. Uh, so, yeah. Slats, Slats was close to it in that total, 95. A game-drawing 90. Well, he was dismissed, so he, yeah. you know, but Mark Waugh was the guy that made sure, got us over the line at the end of the day. But big contributor in that one. So, yeah. yes, the 25th of March, 1994, in Kingsmead was the scene of Slats five runs short of 100. Mm. So, beginning Slats, so close, but so far. So, moving on, we will get into all of the action from the knockout games from the T20 World Cup. 
And at the end of it all, we thought we'd celebrate uh, 16 years. I think 2005 is when we uh, really tried to knuckle, or when we first played the, uh, uh, an international T20. So 16 years of striving, and we're each going to pick what our Australian T20 would, uh, 11 would look like if we could pick from all of the players that have represented Australia. Not necessarily the best 11, but if we were a selector, who we would like in our side. So all of that is coming up right after this. Wow, what a finish to the tournament if you're an Australian fan. Coming in, semi-final. I think we can agree, leading into the tournament, we would have taken semi-final. Losing the semi-finals, we would have went, you know what, it's not bad. We're yeah. happy with that. Um, coming in against a, a team that had established themselves as probably the tournament favourites. Uh, beginning of the tournament, we would have said England-India. As the tournament unfolded, Pakistan were looking like they were, were definitely one of the teams to beat. And... Um, Got it done. Last over. We were looking very long odds at one point, but what a phenomenal partnership at the back end from Stoinis and, and Wade mm. to to get us home. Yeah, two guys that you probably weren't expecting to shine. Oh, um, I'm so glad they did, though. Yeah. It's, well, it's, it was amazing what they actually got They got to do. Like Matthew, mm. Matthew Wade's uh, his charisma in that innings, he just didn't care. Mm. And and I know he did, but he just he just looked like it was he just a, to lose. Yeah, a day down the park, and and, yeah. it, and it really was, I suppose. Yeah. Well, he came out and said himself that you know he walked into that game thinking this could be the last game we ever play for Australia. Yeah. Um, and, and took it from there. And it's always been the big chink in the Australians' armour, especially over the last eighteen months, twenty-four months, probably even longer. Is who is the guy that finishes our innings? And we've tried so many people there. And um, and we've gone with Stoinis and Wade at the, sort of that six seven spot. And Stoinis has looked okay, and Wade hasn't had too much to do really this tournament. Uh, and, yeah. and when when we needed them both to step up when it mattered, um, they went and got the job done. It was fantastic to watch. Uh, uh, Zampa for mine as well was well Zampa and Cummins four overs one for thirty for Cummins four overs one for twenty two from Zampa uh, and three overs for twenty um, for for Maxwell. I think really sort of. Um, helped try and bunch Pakistan in because they were looking early on like they could really run away with it with Azam and Rizwan going. I, I just don't... What I didn't get... I, I did watch this innings. I went to bed halfway through and, and missed the uh, the batting innings and watched it on highlights the next day. Soft. Oh, yeah. Soft. Oh, man. <laughs> it was, what, 3 o'clock in the morning? Oh, I, it was 4.30 yeah. when we won. Oh, no, no. Yeah. I, I was... I was, I was um, I was I was at Aaron's house the whole time. No, this is for the Pakistan. The one. Pakistan game, though, it was what three o'clock in the morning. I actually texted you to see if you were still awake because yeah. we looked dead and buried. Mm. And yeah, um, yeah they, well, I just yeah, yeah I, like there were a lot of over the wasteful tosses from yeah. from from Hazelwood from um, Cummins was the other Cummins, one. Like I, I just don't understand how you miss by that much when you're a professional cricketer. Like on a regular basis, was Just it pushing too hard? Um, yeah, but I mean, their lines. You, you don't see that. Um, yeah, it's not something you see often. Yeah, and they were just missing by a, a long way. I, I, I honestly, I don't think they bowled at all well, except for Adam Zampa in that. Oh that yeah, one. Yeah. and and possibly Maxwell because he got out of what three overs did you say for twenty? A runner ball, basically. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I, I think I personally think the way that. Um, Pakistan had set themselves up with that strong opening partnership. They really should have been looking down the barrel of 185, 190. Yeah. And we sort of just pegged the run rate back. And it wasn't even – it was until um, Farqa Zaman got into Pat Cummins a bit that uh, after I think Smith put him down and he added yeah. a, a, bit, yeah. a bit of a flourish at the end oh, that got him to 177. So we, we our middle overs guys, without sort of – Taking a lot of wickets did a job, sort of mm. just sort of boxing Pakistan in and making it manageable. There, there still is that um, feeling in the the fielding thing. Like we talked about this in the Bangladesh and the and the West Indian series. There's an inability to see what's happening, and it's like they have these preconceived plans, and they stick to these plans no matter what happens. Um, like a prime example was like, not not in this game, but like in the the final when Stark was bowling to um, Kane Williamson, 
and he was going over the wicket and bowling it out outside off stump. Yeah. And Williams, Williamson's just throwing the bat at it, and he got about three edges that went down to third man for four. Uh, like, put a third man in, for goodness sake. Like, after the first one, he's angling it across. You can see that all, all Williamson's doing is like, okay, I'm going to throw the bat at this, and if I edge it good, I'll get four. If I get it off the middle, I'm going to aim for here, you know. And, like... Yeah, and, and you just anybody could see that that was happening. And if Stark's bowling that line, you can take people out from the leg side, and you just you back Stark to not go near the stumps. Yeah, so yeah. it just doesn't seem logical to me. It's like they've yeah they've just kind of got this tunnel vision for the plans that they've set before the innings, and they're not able to react to what the actual game circumstances appear to be dictating. And for my, uh, yeah, right. After that first uh, that shot from Williamson, you thought, well, if he's just going to be doing that, yeah, I, I need to have someone, even like a like almost a deep fly slip sort of thing. Yeah, um, someone, even if he's up inside the circle. Um, yeah. When we, when we get to our batting innings, the one that you uh, went to sleep Sorry. for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing that I was really peeved about was uh, the manner of dismissals from. Well, basically, our middle, everyone except Warner, I think, uh, I was really annoyed about. Aaron Finch especially. Has he not watched any of Shaheen Sharafridi in this tournament? Left yeah. arm, hmm. over the wicket, swinging it back into right-handers. That thing is taking middle and leg. That's where that ball is going. Don't don't yeah. watch the ball out of the hand. Don't worry about it. It's going to hit middle and leg. Yeah. It could, he could pitch it to fourth slip. He could be yeah. angling that way. The ball will come back to middle and leg. Yeah. And what does Finch do? Follows the line of the ball, plants his front foot, smack bang in front of the stumps, and I'm pretty sure the inside edge of his bat was outside the line of off stump. Like, right. what are you doing? You know this ball from right. Shaheen Sharafridi is going to swing in. Play for the in-swing, and if it beats you on the outside edge, well, you haven't – if you nick it, then – Yeah, well, Aaron Finch doesn't get – Dismissed LBW very much. No, he gets he gets bowled. <laughs> he gets bowled, yeah, because he yeah he generally does stay leg side of the ball. But he, like, he yeah. has been woeful for his entire career to in swing deliveries. It well, is, any swing delivery, yeah, yeah, but especially in swing. I was really annoyed at that because that's just that's poor game planning. You've got to think to yourself. This is going to swing in and take middle stump. This is yeah. going to be middle. Don't just don't get caught up in watching it out of the hand. Just do the old Michael just, Slater playing well, Wazzy background. Was it, just was, play inside it, the line. Was it Jeff Crow? Was he another one? Yeah, said, yeah, yeah. Sorry. It was um, Jeff he just Crow. said when he was facing yeah. Akram, I played everything for in swing, and if he bowled out swing, I just backed it. It'd yeah. swing past the edge of the bat. Yeah. Right, and just play it for in swing. You know, the, if you get an outside edge, hope that it you know beats yeah. the keeper and runs past. Yeah. That was really poor. I'm like, Finch, come on. You you know this is what they're going to do to you. You know that you suck at in-swing. They know you suck at in-swing. You know that Afridi is bowling in-swing. You've got to be ready for that, um, which put us on the back foot. Golden duck from Finch. Uh, Marsh had a great start and then just decided once the spinner came on, I'll bring out the old trusty slog heave sweep and straight up in the air. Um, Steve Smith, Warner's going off at the other end. Smith just got to get there. Tuck it in the corner, bring Warner back on strike. Faces a handful of balls, hits a boundary and thinks, oh, I'll just try and beat Cow Corner. Slogs it up in the air. Wanders mm. off for five. Uh, that was the one that really upset me. And then Maxwell again, like, the, there's a guy, look, at, oh, when you're looking at just the, the bowlers run up camera view, you think, oh, all right, that's a pretty decent shot. He ends up getting caught. But when you watch the, the overhead shot, the guy that he hit it to with his reverse sweep took Four strides to his left. He barely had to move. Like the guy is there for that shot. Why are you pulling out mm. the reverse, the lofted reverse sweep? At best, at best, you're going to get one for that. Mm. And I thought that was a really reckless dismissal, especially from Maxwell, who was very key at that point. Um, you know, Warner was the one. All the replays and Snicko said that he didn't hit it, but you know they've appealed that he walked. So um, he obviously yeah. thought that he got a bit on it. Cometh, cometh the men, or cometh the men. Yeah. Uh, Marcus Stoinis and Matthew Wade for the for the hour of power at the end, and they got us home 40 off 31 for Stoinis and Matthew Wade 41 off 17, including yeah. the three sixes off Shaheen Sharafridi, two ramps to get us home. Bang! World Cup final. Here we go. Incredible shot. Uh, the, the, the one the one to the leg side was arguably the best shot an Australian has played in this tournament. It was a phenomenal yeah. shot. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, the two ramps either side of that to get us home. Wow. 
I walked out of that game going, I don't even care what happens in the final. We made the final. You know, yeah. stuff you England, stuff you India. We're here. We were nowhere six months ago against Bangladesh and the West Indies. Yeah. And we've pulled together. And then we come to the final with our friends from New Zealand. Um, looking, I thought we were looking all right at the beginning. We did a really good job of pegging them back. Um, Guptill was struggling for form. He was 28 off 35. We picked up Daryl Mitchell cheaply. But uh, Kane Williamson had oh, saved the best knock of his t- the tournament the, for the that game. Captain. What an innings from Kane Williamson. My God. Um, would have been a bit different game if um, Hazelwood held onto that one that uh, oh, he's yeah. flicked down to fine leg and he's parried it over the boundary. But uh, we're 85 off 48, really uh, kept the Kiwis in it. Outside of him, I think we did a really good job against basically everybody. Um, Hazelwood was fantastic. Uh, three for 16 off his four overs. Uh, Zampa, again, was fantastic. Uh, one for 26 off his four. Uh, Cummins, none for 27. I thought did a really good job at the death when um, Starkey was going at 15 and over. None for 60 off four. There was a lot of pressure then on Cummins to make sure he got that... Uh, those death overs right, and I thought he did a fantastic job. Yeah. Um, again, the big issue with the structure of this team was our fifth bowler, Maxwell, three overs for 28, and then Marsh, the solitary over for 11. So that's something moving forward that we've we've got to work out because if, if you know, one of your main bowlers is having an off night and, and Starkey was, we were sort of stuck with him to try yeah. and figure out and get it right. Cause, but was he having an off night or is that just his normal now? Like no, he, he's just he's been, not he's, he's not just that been bad. Terrible. He's not that bad. I, I well, he was a bit unlucky. Yeah, like like I mentioned, there was a couple of well, quite a few. All the ball, it. all the balls that you were talking about from that over were good balls from Mitchell Stark. Like they didn't deserve to go I'm, for twelve off twelve I'm, off. Yeah, three. but I mean, he has to take a little bit of responsibility in his field setting as well. I mean, the, the bowler yeah, gets what he wants. Some I, of the well, time. not always, but I, I I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about the Kane Williamson. Yeah, the yeah, one that flayed oh, over yeah. the gull, slips gully down a third. But like, uh, I mean, and his whole stick is to to execute Yorkers at the end of the. The thing is, though, Kane Williams was and picking they, those Yorkers they, and flaying him to the leg well, side. Well, they go they go on about oh, you know, he's he's deadly with these Yorkers. I'm sort of like, is he? And it, like, it, it, he, it, he doesn't uh, he, he doesn't hit them. I reckon he hits one out of ten now. Um, I'd still like to hit one out of ten. <laughs> I, I, I know, like I, I know that he was. I know that I'm, I'm, you know, sort of challenging a, a person who's, um, in the past been really, really good at that. But I don't think he's got that anymore. He doesn't hit his walker on a consistent basis. No, not anymore. But he's had had games over the course of the tournament where he has been good in patches. This one, he just he was even the delivery that he could have got Williamson out was a rank. Like yeah. knee high, full toss, down leg side that Williamson should have hit for twelve, but ended up finding Hazelwood. So yeah, yeah, um, should have, he should have had him. Start, yeah, start. Could have been a different game, I suppose. It could have been different for Stark. Gets Williamson out, and then you know rolls through a few others. Rolls yeah. through a few. Oh, even that, he just starts finding his. You know, finally got a wicket. I got the guy that's been smashing me all over the park. He doesn't look confident out there. You know, he, he, he looks very good. tense. He looks very nervous. Yeah, he he struggled to hit his lines and lengths in that one so that was a bit scary but so there it was um new zealand put together a fairly impressive 172 four for 172 a lot of work for the australians to do and uh really we came out and did it at a canter almost two wickets down and that was with aaron finch giving his wicket away Mm. um warner came out had a phenomenal innings uh 53 off 38 and uh mitchell marsh uh you know the quite quite a lot of uh negative things have been said about mitchell Marsh over the course of his career, but he certainly seems to have found a home as one of the key figures in our white ball teams, especially the T20 side. Seventy-seven or fifty, uh, he's got off the got off the mark with an absolutely cracking six over the leg side. I think it was mm. Adam Milne just picked him up and hooked him over the square leg boundary, front foot pull shot. It was just wow, that's I, power. Yeah, I think he's. I think it's his footwork. His footwork's become quite impressive, which is not something you really uh, would have associated. I don't think it necessarily his footwork to the quicks has ever been a problem. If you look at the, the spinners, um, I was talking to Gary because Gary came around to watch the final at my house. Marsh struggles to change 
his footwork when he's got time to. There was plenty of times that he was trying to get forward to really put the pressure on someone like Ish Sodi or Santner, and the ball wasn't there to get forward to, and he just really struggled to then shift his weight back just onto the back foot. Back. He's very much a player that can – he'll get into the right position early and he'll make good stride forward or get into the right position back. But if the if yeah. the ball doesn't meet up with yeah. the, the initial decision, he's really bad at then well, I'm just trying adjusting. to put my, foot, put my finger on, uh, you know, what what's different about what he's doing that's working. I, 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 think, I think it's just confidence. No, I think it's yeah. all in his head. Yeah, like he waits. He waits for that ball. He 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 doesn't need to flay the next one over the boundary. Yeah, that's he knows. true. There's I'll, a bit I'll more just I'll just I'll just push that single. Like it's 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 just you know common sense when we we talk about cricket. But I, for mine, I still think he bats exactly the same way he was when we were all just ripping our hair out about why is this guy getting picked? He crashes through the line really hard. He's super strong. Obviously, he's got a good hand eye, but his problem has always been. What do I do when that ball to hit to the boundary is not there? That's all the in between stuff has been Marsh's yeah. issue, especially at the yeah. um, at test level. He's like, you put a ball, you know, in a slot that he can drive, he'll hit it harder than anyone. He's yeah. got some of the, you know, you bowl it short at him, he'll hook and pull just as as much as anyone. It's all those length balls, the nibbling around the top of off stump that he that you know tests his defence. That's the sort of stuff. Or, or, you know, prolonged exposure to spin when he can't, you know, you can't just go and I'm just going to hit everything over square leg boundary or the cow corner boundary in a test match for a spinner. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. And it's all that that time that you can probe in his defence as his weakness, which is which is why for mine the, the, the rush to get him into the Australian test setup is premature. Let the guy just, he's played, what, 18-odd games as a T20 player and made a real fist of it this year. Yeah, and the skills that he already had, were were there to succeed in twenty twenty. Yeah, you've just freed him up. You've you <laughs> pulled him out from batting five, six, seven, and just hoiking it at, as a if, finisher. If Scotty was here, he, he would say that he still hasn't uh, solved the problem of having the hardest hands in no, world cricket. And he, and he absolutely hasn't. He absolutely <laughs> has not. Um, no. And you can tell by some of his dismissals to spin in the World Cup that there are, there are issues there. So the the whole let's put him back into the the test side is. is is premature for mine. But what he's done is established himself as one of the key white ball players, and there's nothing wrong with being one of the key white ball players. You don't have... Look, Aaron Finch. Aaron Finch is a rubbish first-class player. We've given him a crack at test cricket. didn't work out, but he, throughout his career, was one of the world's best limited overs players. There's nothing wrong. Mm. Michael Bevan. Michael Bevan is an Australian cricket hero. He is beloved by all. Barely ever got a go at test cricket, but he made one-day cricket... His bitch. He owned that. He was the yeah. man for Australia. There's no reason why Marsh can't just, you know, yeah, lock, I mean, in, I, lock I into, think, you know, 18 there's, there's months. No, there's no shame in that. Yeah. I mean, like, we, we go on and on about, oh, you know, he's only a T20 specialist. Um, you know, we we play for a small club in Bathurst, um, you know. So <laughs> this guy's strapped on the, the you know, the coloured clothes for... But he's not even just a, a T20 specialist. He's always had fairly respectable numbers at the one-day level. Yeah, yeah. So, so some can, people are two formats. Be a yeah. white ball gun, go and do that, and when you get opportunities at shield level, he's played two first-class games in the last 36 months, mm. and we're talking about bringing him in for the Ashes. Yeah. The, th- the problem I've got with that is what sort of message are you sending to all the guys like Nick Maddinson and you know Henry Hunt and all these guys that are plying their trade for Sheffield Shield yeah. and working on their defensive game and scoring runs in four-day cricket? Yeah. If you pick Mitch, Mitch Marsh, who hasn't seen a red ball in forever, mm. um, just go and get really good at T20 cricket, make your way into the Australian T20 side. have Fill your I, pockets while you're at yeah, it. You know? yeah, have... <laughs> Have six months worth of really good hit and giggle cricket, and we'll put you in the test side. Like, why mm. would you even bother slugging it out for four days for yeah, on shield, a flat deck? The shield is treated like an absolute joke. Karen Rolt Noble getting pasted yeah. everywhere, and yeah. when you could just oh, just get good at T Twenty cricket, you make yeah. the Australian side. I'll probably make the IPL. I'll make the hundred. I'll make the net with all this money coming from everywhere because I'm really good at T Twenty cricket, and then I'll get a baggy green. Like, it's just. Yeah, I, th- I think it's. I don't know. Do you think it's because like they're performing in, in front of people? Or? I just think like, that he's I'm the flavour. He's the flavour of the moment. Everyone, and it's what a great redemption story because he was talking about after he was called in for the twenty seventeen Ashes at the expense of Pete Hanscom yeah. when everyone thought it should be Maxwell. Mm. Um, so 
A Victorian was dudded. I still think A Victorian that should have come into the side was dudded. And his first game back after going, here we go again, going back to this well, was at the MCG. And his first over he got, he, the people at the MCG were booing him. Like, that would be horrific <laughs> as an Australian cricketer on a Boxing Day test and you're getting booed by your own fans. And now he's one of Australia's cricket heroes. It's a great redemption story, but don't go and ruin it by pushing it too far because yeah. he's got nothing to gain right now. Mm. If he goes and you pick him for the Australian test side and he comes out and he just bombs it and because he's, he's not a, a test specialist player, he's got lots of weaknesses which England will look to exploit. Mm. If he gets it wrong, all that good will will just disappear. Yeah. And then you run the risk of ruining him as yeah. a white ball cricketer yeah, as well. Send him back to WA, I think. Oh, I, I like the idea. Of, they put him in the no, Australia. I, mean, like, I don't mean that in Yeah, any, yeah. No, I, mean, I know what they, you mean. Play for the, uh, the, what are they called? The Warriors. The Warriors. Are they or the Swans? I don't know. No, they're Warriors. <laughs> They've picked him for the. the Swans um, is a bit wussy, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. They've picked him for the, uh, the Australia A squad. Which will take on the English Lions, which will coincide with the first two or three rounds of the, the Big Bash, and then he's going back to the Scorchers, and I think that's good. You give him a little taste of um, Australia A cricket because you obviously want Marsh in the form that he's in, you know, sniffing around playing first class cricket, and there's no first class cricket for him to go to. So if that's what he wants to do, get him the last gig in town playing first class cricket, go to the Scorchers, and then at the back end of Mm. The BBL getting back into WA score and runs. Is it even going to be a serious hit out though? Like the, the well, English Lions. That's, is it going to be a like proper like eleven aside, or is it going to be one of these Mickey Mouse fifteen it's a, people? I'm pretty sure it's a first class game yeah. from what I've heard. So it's going to be. I hate those games. Like, I, I understand why they're there, but like surely because it's like, not a the best warm up is to play a proper well, like hard game. It's yeah. not a warm up game though. It's an Australia A yeah okay. game. Fixture. So it's not yeah, just it's a, a, it's a second tier sort of mm. yeah. Okay. Uh, so yes, after all that. Um, Marsha Maxwell, iconic reverse lap from Glenn Maxwell, runs it over, gets it over the uh, the yeah. fine leg boundary, well, and the players were that running they ran on. on. Yeah, I was just like, when I saw that on the replay, I'm like, they're lucky that they didn't go. No, it doesn't count. You ran on like one of them almost trod on the ball <laughs> as he ran past it. <laughs> like they're like, oh, he's not getting that. I'm like, he might have got that, but you guys kind of got in the way. Yeah. No, he wasn't getting that. But, nah. but you it know, would have been really awkward like, if it did pull up short like, of the boundary yeah, and, then, exactly. like, and then Marsh is standing there hugging you know everyone and then yeah, all of a sudden the ball comes just in. Like, and just runs him out. The Kiwis are probably nice enough, though, that they'd call us back going, hey, guys, that's only you only got one for that. You still need three more to win. <laughs> Come on, let's bowl it again. Yeah, like, um, I mean, just wait another, what, four seconds? Yeah, I, the, like, from a practical sense... Yes, I agree. Yeah. But from the, the, a, a sports theatre, watching the ball trickle this way and the Australians are already on I, the field, I, I love no, them. I, I, just got, I, I just envisioned the whole, uh, you know, the play scenario. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, the band's on the field. <laughs> <laughs> this trombone guy comes on and just gets knocked over. Like, like the, the cricket traditionalist in me goes, no, you guys should wait for it to get to the boundary because, you know, you, you need to wait. It's not a four yet. Uh, them, just, just yeah. the, just the look of it though. I just one I, of them did almost step on the ball. I swear, like I was like, is that is he going to step on the ball there? <laughs> but what a great look! What a great we way. We don't want McGrath again. No, God no. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. What a great way to round off what has been a very difficult twelve months for the Australian T Twenty side and for Justin Langer, who's. You know, they had to bring second-tier teams to the West Indies, to Bangladesh. They got pumped. The only real good thing about it is Hazelwood established himself as a guy that could bowl in all three formats, and Marsh, you know, announced himself as a top-order threat. Mm. Other than that, it's just rubbish. Like, uh, you know, we got... We got Dave Warner back. Dave Warner's come on strong. No, for the, the West Indies-Bangladesh oh, ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you're walking out of that really with... Not a great lot of bright spots coming out of it. But in the back of his head, he's real. He, you know, we've got Smith coming back. We've got Warner coming back. We've got Cummins coming back. You know, we've got Maxwell coming back. We've got a lot of talented guys. And he's and then all the stuff coming out about his coaching style and who likes him and who doesn't. So it's, it's been a tough time for the Australian cricket team. Mm. And they've managed to get together and get into a, just a tight, close-knit team environment. And they've worked it out. 
Yeah, um, overachieved there. I think they've overachieved. I think yeah, I, I still think that uh, England, England obviously are a better side than us. I think India are a better side than us. I think Pakistan are a better side than us. And I would argue that on on paper, New Zealand are probably a better side than us. If you, if we played each other, you know, a hundred times, I think New Zealand would end up beating us more often than not. But on the night when it all counted, yeah, we got the job done. So we're taking the trophy home. And unfortunately for our cousins across the Dutch. They're bridesmaids yet again. I, I really love those guys. You've, um, you've got to, this is great. You've got to give it to New Zealand, though. Yeah. They've made the, the, the T20 World Cup. They made the 50-over World Cup. and Consecutive 50-over World Cup yeah, finals. And they've also won the World Cup. Yeah. And they, they, they always play within the spirit of the game. You know, oh, they was, really do, like, yeah. there, was, there was no niggle at all, really. You know, no. There was like, a couple of really nice team, you know, like yeah. opposite team... Moments, I think. I think a lot. Trent of Bolt uh, and one of our guys. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. Maxwell was ball watching as he ran down, and Bolt was oh, ball yeah, watching, yeah. and they've crashed into each other. And he actually yeah. heard on the stump mics Bolt actually cry out because it. I think <laughs> the point of Maxwell's shoulders caught him right in the middle of the ribs, and they've had that moment where they've sort of tapped each other on the back and smiled about it and went, "Oh, yeah. sorry." Yeah, yeah. And and play on. Oh, they're great. They're, they're just great for the game, and and yeah. It, it, it almost feels bad to beat them. <laughs> Australia are in a, a fairly unique position with because of the way the calendar's worked out, we have a, another T20 World Cup in less than 12 months in Australia. Wow. So okay. we actually get a chance straight away to defend our our World Cup title. And I, I'm a little concerned by that because I think coming out of that World Cup, two of the very glaring obvious things we need to improve is I don't think Aaron Finch is international quality anymore. I think the game has has left him all of the, like father time's caught up. But you know, with a World Cup in less than a year, they will give him an opportunity to bow out on Australian soil. And I think the same with Mitchell Stark. I think you know Stark is very close to not being international standard in any format anymore. He just he hasn't got it right in over twelve months. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like in he, any format, he, he needs was, a break, or maybe he just is too old now. He, he couldn't. Sure. He couldn't get it in Shield. He struggled on the one days. He struggled on the T twenties. There's been a couple of of spots where you're like, oh, is he coming back? And then it, you know, it's not even like a whole game. It's like an over or a spell. Yeah. And then he well, won't. Get hopefully, it. we do see a, a Mitchell Johnson like second coming. He needs to grow um, a moustache. <laughs> Maybe. That's what it is. Maybe that's it. But, uh, yeah, I just have a feeling that um, Cricket Australia are going to just stagnate the development of their side for 12 months to give these guys uh, a home, a chance to defend the World Cup on home soil. And, uh, you know, the... The romantic, the romantic side of me says these guys deserve it. They've been, you know, loyal servants of Australian cricket for a long time. Especially Aaron Finch, he's led the side well. He's been one of the best T Twenty batsmen ever. And Stark has been a, a very strong white ball bowler for a long time. And you would say these guys deserve to go out, but from, we've still got a long way to go. We're not the world beating uh, Australian side of the early thousands where we could just throw anything out there and. And and win it. This isn't one that we dominated. This is a this is a, a against the against the tide. We won this World Cup. Yeah. So I don't think we can afford to rest on our laurels and go. Oh, we'll just trot out the same squad in a year. I think there's some certainly some improvements that need to be made. Uh, I think the natural progression for Mitch Marsh would be to slot into a Shane Watson like role at the top of the order. Because. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he bats the same way whether or not he's opening or at three. He just yeah. comes out, hits the ball hard, which would then allow you to play. Because I think the Australian T20 side is better with Ashton Agar in it. But at the moment, yeah. p- picking Agar, you would then have to lose probably one of your bowlers. <laughs> you have to go in a batsman light. And as it is, Finch is not the batsman he used to be. And I think you get the same contribution. You, the, whatever l- less contribution you got out of Agar instead of Finch would make up for it with the ball. Yeah, probably. So it doesn't necessarily have to be that, but I think that's the next natural progression. You move um, Marsh to open, which would then give you, or even you bring Philippi in uh, and get him playing more international cricket because he's a guy that is scoring runs for fun in, in domestic level at the moment. So uh, it'd be interesting to see. Well, it's not going to be interesting. They're going to do it. They're not. Finch isn't going to step away less than 12 months away from mm-hmm. representing, you know, captaining Australia at a home World Cup. So that, it, it's going to be that. They're going to... Where if the World Cup was in three or four years' time, I imagine that Finch and Stark step away from the game now. But 
yeah. 11 months until the next one, they're definitely playing on. So yeah. we'll just uh, we'll put pause on developing a side for 12 months and give these guys a – so hopefully they do find a bit of form. I hope so. Let's, let's hope so. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. Well, I hope Finch finds some form. I've got him in my super coach side for the Big Bash, so that would be good. Uh, no. After what happened last year, I think he's only sixty thousand dollars. You've actually got to do your team reveal. We did ours last week. Yeah, and actually, then and then just picked a team. I'm surprised. And then um, Cricket Australia picked half my team in the yeah. five man <laughs> squad. So I'll have to I'll have to rejig that. Yeah, yeah. Probably need to do mine as well. So yes, I think that wraps up our our World Cup chat. How like at the end of the day, we've we've you know some negatives coming out of that, some postulations on what the team's going to look like for. Uh, I, I think the biggest the positive was that we we're still not at a hundred percent, and we beat the world. Yep, yeah. we, we've got it. At the end of the day, we can sit back and just spend five minutes and enjoy the moment that we have finally filled our trophy cabinet. We've got it. Yes, we've got a lot of work to do to catch up to teams like England and India and Pakistan, but you know they didn't win it, and we did. And at the end of the day, that's what you play the World Cup for. They're the ones that count, and uh, we've proven that uh, yet again we can go and get the big trophies when we need to. Uh, before we go, like who who would your player of the tournament be? Uh, or, or, or bowler, batsman of the tournament doesn't really matter. So obviously, the the player of the tournament went to David Warner, which I think was a, a bit of a farce, to be honest. Um, I would have picked players from another country before I picked David Warner, and David Warner had a fantastic tournament. But uh, I don't think his tournament was better than someone like Rizwan or Baba Razams or yeah. anyone like that. Well, they've shown back to came out and said something along those lines mm. today. And and yeah. like Warner had a, a, a fantastic tournament, or you know, great in the knockout stages, but for the whole tournament, I don't think so. For mine, the player of the tournament for me um, was Adam Zeba. Yeah, I'd agree. I was going to say Zeba too. I just, I think he was consistently getting through his four overs with less than six runs of an over. I think he was second leading wicket taker and he had an economy under six. Yeah. Uh, like I'd actually pick Freedy from Pakistan. Uh, well, His you know, bowling was amazing. You know what, though? He's... Um, he came up really big against India, but he got almost half of his wickets for the entire tournament in that game. When you look at it, he actually didn't dominate the World Cup like that first, because that was the first game they played. He thought, whoa, Afridi's going to be mental in this tournament. And he bowled dangerously, but like he only had with six or seven wickets for the entire tournament. He got three for 30 odd in that game. So yeah. uh, I think, yeah, I think he had probably the moment of the tournament from a player like that. That spell, especially considering all of the 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 love hate between India and Pakistan and <laughs> all that sort of stuff, um, and the fact that Pakistan have never beaten India in a World Cup before, and then he comes out and he blows away some of their best batsmen with just some ridiculous deliveries. I think that is probably the moment yeah. of the World Cup, but I wouldn't say he's the player of the tournament just off that one performance. I mean, he was consistent, but that was. Well, I the, think he'd gone for what four before four or six before um, Wade had dispatched him for 18 runs off three balls. Yeah. Like, he'd gone for nothing. He almost won them that game. Well, he didn't do it by himself, but he's, some of his bowling, because I watched some of their other games, and it's it was just unplayable. Well, I personally think that Hazelwood and Norkia from South Africa had better World Cups as a quick bowler yeah. than Afridi. But Afridi, everyone will remember Afridi because what he did to India, and... You also got to remember too that he also played against Scotland and Namibia yeah. and Afghanistan, whereas you know those, Hazelwood and Orkeo had to play again in that you know, yeah. the group of death, as you always get one in the World <laughs> Cup. But yeah, uh, for mine, for mine, Zampa was the player of the tournament. He without Zampa, we do not win. We don't make the semi-finals without Adam Zampa. Just absolutely no way does not happen. All right, well. Says that Adam Zampa should be the player's player. Oh, I th- yeah, for mine it was Adam Zampa. Like, I don't want to disparage Dave Warner. I just, I think that's the. It's a T Twenty competition. We need to give it to it's a, a batsman. It's a batsman yeah. And Warner was arguably the best batsman for the knockout stages. From so we'll give it to Dave Warner because he had what that fifty odd, and then he had, I think he had an eighty against the West Indies. So he came on strong at the end, but yeah, I just I. What Zampa contributed to the Australian side, I think, just it's undervalued 
Like mm. he didn't, you know, he just chipped away at wicket through the middle order. Like the game, oh, especially you got that Pfeiffer in um, against Bangladesh, and that's a game that we needed to roll them. Yeah. Otherwise, we don't make the. Yeah. And he, he goes and goes. Big game player has been chipping away for uh, Australia in the white ball cricket for a long time. Yeah. Player of the series from one was Adam Zamba. Go on, straight down the throat of first slip. Thought we'd round out this uh, the World Cup T Twenty World Cup episode with just a bit of a look back at some of uh, Australia's. Uh, exploits in the T20 game, and we thought we'd do that by going through the list of the the 90-odd cricketers that have managed to play for uh, Australia in the T20 International since 2005, and out of those players, who we would pick it, what would our team be if we were going to pick those players? Uh, doesn't necessarily, we're saying that this is the best ever team or you know, you know all-time team. This is just if we were the selectors, we had the use of these players in their primes um, for for Australia in this format. Who would you pick? Uh, so I'm going to kick it off with Gary. Gary, what is your my, T20 my 11? My 11? Well, I would go with the, the guy that scored the most runs in T20 cricket, and we've just talked about him for the last 10 minutes. Aaron Finch. Aaron Finch, opener. Aaron Finch, opener. Um, opening with Dave Warner, because, you know, Dave Warner. Still remember that game at Southampton where he hit England for 156 yep. of his own bat. Yep, it was yep. fantastic. Um... Then I'd probably go for Shane Watson. Shane Watson was really underrated as a T20 player, but he was savage and brutal and could also bowl, so it was all right. He's one of our better white ball cricketers that we've ever had, so yeah. uh, solid pick. Then Mr. Cricket. Why would you not pick Mike Hussey? Because it's Mike Hussey. Um, then I'd end up with uh, Hodge and Andrew Simons in the middle. Um, I'd actually keep with Gilchrist. Um not going to open with him. No. I is, he, is he batting at eight at this point? That's <laughs> uh, a seven. seven. Okay. Yeah, I know. It's 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 a bit like that. that. That's pretty low for Gilly. Yes, but he's also he could finish. Yeah, he, he could also float. He know, could, yeah, if you needed him to. And I suppose Gilly's one of those players that showed that he's prepared to go for ball one. He didn't need to sort of get himself in. He just yeah. went after it. So. Yeah. Um, and my bowler bowler lineup would be uh, Brett Lee. Pat Cummins, Mitchell Stark, and Mitchell Stark in his heyday would just about knock over anyone. And I'd have to finish off with Adam Zampa. He's our best spinner in T20 cricket. It's, it's just the way it is. I don't care what you say. I'm right. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> um, you won't find too many arguments from me on that one. He's been really great for Australia. All right, Glenn, yeah. you're, you're 11. I'd like to point out, too, for those of you listening for a long time, uh, you'll know that typically when we do this, um, these guys end up doing it at the last minute. Would you like to tell the listeners when you finished these teams? I finished just as we started recording. I actually wrote it out after we started recording. <laughs> <laughs> during <laughs> during the podcast. During the podcast. Okay. Well, I've got I've got Warner Gilchrist opening. Uh, I've got Shane Watson and Steve Smith. Uh, he's the oh, only current. Warney wouldn't agree with you there. Steve Smith <laughs> in a T Twenty side. Yeah. Well. Well, uh, you know, he asked us to pick Michael Beer. He's one of our better ones. Uh, <laughs> I've got Michael Hutsey. I've got Michael Clark. Um, I've got Andrew Simons. Um, I think Clark was, you know, handy left arm bowler and you know a good good player. Oh, um, yeah, oh, I don't know. He, he led us to our first World Cup final. Hmm. Yeah. Right, um, you didn't win it, but he, he got us there. <laughs> then I've got Andrew Simons, Brad Hogg, Brett Lee, Nathan Brack, and Glenn McGrath. Um, yeah, it's kind of a, a generational one, but uh, that's when we were kind of dominant in that. Well, not in T20 format, but probably in the 50-over game, and I think these guys kind of had that um, ability to transfer from, from one format to the other. Yeah, a few of those players in there, McGrath especially, was probably very early on. I don't know how, yeah. how many T20 games, but I imagine he would have been a player that would have been really good at T20 cricket. If, you if imagine we... them muttering back to his point oh, when he just man. got hit for a boundary? I don't know I don't know if McGrath's heart could have taken no. him playing T20 cricket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just... Yeah, we would have seen him drunk somewhere just screaming at people, hate this game! <laughs> Rubbish! <laughs> All right, we'll get on to my one. So my all-time one, I've also gone with Dave Warner at the top of the order, but I've also gone with Shane Watson at the top with him. Oh, yeah. um, left-hand, right-hand. Left-hand, right-hand. Uh, big power game from what I all-rounder. You know, David Warner, what, need, what, what he's the player of the World Cup, so 
He's obviously pretty good. Uh, I've gone with Cameron White at number three. That's a poor choice. Poor choice? Yeah. I, I just... He's he's got the figures behind him. I just I just never really like I like Cameron White. Love Cameron him. White I think is one of those guys that never got to play enough yeah. international yeah. cricket for Australia. He played a fair bit of it too, but never got to play enough. He was behind guys like uh Ponting and yeah. and Clark and Hussey for a large portion of his career. But when he did get out, he was very successful and you've seen what he can do in the through the big bash and through yeah. the T twenty con and he's just a big powerful hitter, can bowl some leggies, great fielder, great leader. Um, I think he even he captained the Australian T20 side briefly for a little bit. And he even seems like a nice guy. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll just think, yeah, he's one of those guys. He's just got genuine big hitting ability anywhere around the ground. He's a guy that can come in, do, do the Mitchell Marsh job, where yeah. big, tall, powerful hitter. Uh, I've gone with Mr. Cricket. Uh, I just can't go past the guy that got us into our first World Cup final, that clean hitting um, you, you saw what he did at the tail end of his career in, with the Thunder. You've seen what he's done in the one, like, limited overs games. Like He is a guy that could bat just about everywhere, do just about everything. Um, great fielder. Yeah, Michael, I see. What more do you say? Um, I've gone with Glenn Maxwell at five. Yeah, I really wanted Maxwell in my team, but I just couldn't put him in there. Yeah, you know, you know, poor World Cup aside, this is a guy that has been the backbone of our T20 side for a long, long time. 360 degrees. Handy off-spin bowler, fantastic fielder, uh, another good cricket brain. Uh, from there, I've gone with Andrew Simons. Roy. Roy. Um, again, he's a guy that sort of just missed out on his format a bit, but showing that he was you know, phenomenally good at the games that he, he played. I think he averaged something like 47 with the bat in the games yeah. that he's played for yeah. Australia. Um, did some damage in the IPL. And he's a guy that can bowl seam up and off spin if I need it as well. So a bit of flexibility there and one of Australia's best fielders. Can you imagine trying to score a run in the ring that has Maxwell Simons, Cameron White, and Michael Hussey? No. <laughs> well, I've got Clark in there too. Yeah, Clark. <laughs> um, I went with Matthew Wade as my wicketkeeper. Purely because most of the other wicketkeepers that we've played have been guys that needed a bat at the top of the order. Yeah. Um, so I, I can see the argument for Gilchrist in there, but he's never really done that role. And we can we can postulate that you know he's a guy that likes to go from ball one. So why wouldn't he be able to, to finish? But Wade's been well, in there. He, and... he did he did bat at seven in the fifty over game very early in his <laughs> yeah. career when, yeah, when he's only just sort of replaced Ian Healy. Well, I think I think um, no, I think him and Healy were in the same actually played in the same team together. Right. <laughs> because I remember he picked a ball up on the boundary and went to throw it into the keeper. Anyway, that's a wicket keeper's throwing arm I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, it landed about halfway in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so Wade's a guy that predominantly has bat been forced bat in the middle order with varying degrees of success. Um, but I think yeah, just as the guys that would be batting be batting in the middle, it'd be Wade. Uh, I've gone with Mitchell Stark, uh, big left, uh, big swing bowler. Uh, Mitchell Johnson, I've gone, who has a very impressive T20 international record. Bowls that heavy ball, gets that bouncer in there. Got the stash. Yeah. Awesome. I've uh, gone with uh, Brett Lee as my next quick one. I th- Personally, for mine, I think is Australia's best limited overs fast bowler, or T20 fast bowler that we've had. He, you know... Pine, really started pioneering it and just and then you look at how his career transitioned into like the uh, the BBL and things like that phenomenal player and uh, rounding out with Adam Zamba so that's I think he's one of the best spin bowlers we've ever that is that is my 11 for that so a lot of common names Warner got a shout Watson got a shout Simon's got a shout Lee I think was in all of our sides yeah um yeah. And uh, Simons. did you? Simon's is in all of our sides. You didn't pick Hussey, did you? Yeah, I did. I did. So Hussey was in all of our sides. So yeah, so yeah, we've, we've had some we've had some players over the history that have, have done a good jobs. So we've yeah, you know, I mean they're not really T Twenty generation, but like they they did overlap, um, yeah. and they were legendary players for us. So maybe we're yeah. Favouring that generation of cricketer, I, I think the whole Gilchrist um, McGrath sort of generation didn't. We we actually thought T Twenty was a bit of a joke when it first came along. So it would be interesting to see how like we saw McGrath doing fairly good things at the beginning. Like he played a few T um, Twenty internationals. He was in the first 
one or two IPLs, did a good yeah. job, and the game's then evolved from there. So it would be interesting to see if McGrath um, could keep up. But one thing that says to me that he would is the fact that Josh Hazelwood has established himself as one of the better T20 yeah. bowlers doing McGrath things, bowling back of a length, gnawing at the batsman there, and he's figured out all. It's the much of all. But, uh, yeah, so I think that it would translate McGrath would, being as skilled a bowler as he was, would keep up with the... Um, the advances of the Blame game. McGrath, of course he would. Yeah. <laughs> so there, that's it. That's who we have names as what we think. If we could pick any of the players that have played for the T20s for Australia in there, uh, what we have for our 11s. Uh, what about you guys at home? What do you think? Who do you think would have made, you would pick, if you could pick any of the 90 players that have played for T20 Internationals for Australia, what 11 would you choose? Just pick 11 bats and just go for it. Yeah, put on, put 300. on 350. <laughs> dare, dare them to chase it down. And then just bowl little doddly spinners or something. <laughs> and hope for the best. Oh, do you remember when Matthew Hayden came out for a bowl in that, that <laughs> charity what, game? Uh, has took his shoes off. Hay- Hayden's uh, aged a little bit in the last few years. Uh, I, think, I saw yeah, him I on think the J- coach's box for, uh, for uh, Pakistan. I think JL has aged a little more gracefully than Haydos. Mm, yeah. He's um I think he's looking like he's been outside in that uh, Queensland sun fishing loving life a bit too much. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a bit of product in uh, the old Langers' hair though. It'll be right. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. All right guys, that wraps up our the T twenty World Cup. That wraps up our ninety fifth uh, episode. And uh, from here on we are getting set for the Ashes are getting set for the Big Bash. Plenty more cricket coming. Australia's summer is just getting going, and uh, I, for one, cannot wait to get into it. You know, the Poms were shouting out about how when they beat us, it meant big things for their Ashes campaign. What do you guys reckon a World Cup win is going to do for Australia's Ashes campaign? I don't think it will have any effect whatsoever. It's a different game. <laughs> <laughs> Carrying a lot of momentum, a lot of players feeling good about themselves. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how it all unfolds. Mm. Anyways, guys, that'll do us. Uh, enjoy your week. We will talk to you soon. Bye for now. See you guys. Bye. Over. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.